uh, I don't necessarily, you can be seated. I don't necessarily have an opening scripture for you this morning. Uh, but earlier this week, you know, don't know, you know whether you know much about preaching the Word of God or not, but uh, just like my dad, I, I really try to seek the Lord and speak what the Lord would have me to say because it is not by any man's knowledge or wisdom or what I think that this church needs. That leads unto death. It's, it's only by the guiding of God. So I really prayed and was thinking, Lord, what would you have your servant to, to speak, Lord? My ears are open, Lord. Incline your ear to me, Lord. Speak to your servant. And, you know, as Dad was away and I preached a few times here this month, this month you know, God made it easy for me. I mean, he really just poured some things out to me and, and man, I just had stuff I could study and go. But for this morning, you know, I just I just didn't have a clear direction. So I think it was Monday. I was over at the church office, and man, I was just praying to the Lord, Lord, please speak to your servant, Lord. What would you have for your servant? What do you have for for our service this morning here, Lord? And you know, I prayed, and then I got done praying, kind of went over to my desk and just started writing some things, reading some things. I started thinking and. I started thinking about New Hope, you know, the ministry that we have here. I started thinking about all the people that we have here. You know, that led to, I started thinking about a lot of the sermons that I've heard here, preached by Pastor Joe. Started thinking about some of the sermons that even I've done behind this pulpit. Started thinking about some of the sermons that I've heard from some other guys that shared this pulpit. Started thinking about all those things. And I noticed a little bit of a trend. You know, we hear preaching from this pulpit. We hear preaching on things. You always hear Pastor Joe talking about sin. You always hear Pastor Joe talking about repentance. You always hear Pastor Joe talking about end time persecution is coming. Last week, you heard me talk a little bit about the straight and narrow path. You always hear Pastor Joe's always harping on us about being filled with the Holy Ghost, being baptized with the Holy Spirit. He's always talking about that. Pastor Joe's always telling us about serving the Lord serving our God. He's always talking about that. You, you'll hear people behind this pulpit even talking about things like self-denial. You'll hear people talking about repentance. You'll hear people behind this pulpit talking about serving God, repenting of your sins, taking up your cross. Pastor's always telling us to seek the Lord, isn't he? He's always telling us to pray, to search for answers from God. Bruce, when he comes and preaches, he's always telling us to know our word, always telling us to read it and know and be familiar with this. He's always telling us things like that. Pastor Joe's even gone so far as to require us to fast every now and again. On Wednesday, sometimes a pastor said, now remember, this is the day we're going to fast. We hear like things like fasting coming from this pulpit. Pastor Joe's always telling us to seek out the old paths and travel therein. We've heard things like that come from this pulpit. Pastor's always telling us to stir ourselves by the laying on of hand. To stir yourself. Don't lay there dormant, the pastor always tells us. Pastor even talking to us about the judgment of God. He's always telling us that judgment begins at the house of God. We hear all these types of things coming from this pulpit. So someone's always up here warning us about sin. Someone's always up here at this pulpit warning us to avoid this or to avoid that. And I noticed, you know, we hear these type of things coming from this pulpit. And I also thought, there are some things that I don't hear coming from this pulpit. If you've been here any amount of time, the, the few things I've just read, you have heard Pastor Joe talk about them. 
you've heard myself talk about them or any other brother that comes behind and shares this pope, you've heard them talk about these things. But let me read to you a short list of things I compiled of things you haven't heard from this pulpit, things you will not hear from this pulpit, things like how to be a better you, how to be a better person, living the good life, how to be successful, being happy and blessed, thinking positively, positively, maximizing yourself, being prosperous or a healthy lifestyle, being motivated. You don't hear pastor talking about these types of things or how to grow your business the Christian way. You don't hear him talking about those types of things. How come Pastor Joe or anyone else that comes behind his pulpit doesn't talk about those types of things? Things that you hear in, in modern church nowadays. If you turn on your TV and you listen to some of these churches, those pastors are talking about those types of things. How to be a better you. How to maximize yourself. How to be blessed and prosperous. How come here at this church in New Hope, the people that take this pulpit, they don't talk about those things. Those things aren't necessarily bad. It's not evil to want to be healthy. That's not a bad thing to want to be healthy. It's not a bad thing to be successful or to want to be successful. Those things aren't bad. Then how come Pastor Joe and the people that take this pulpit don't preach on those things? After all, if you see those churches that do preach on those things, man, they're jam-packed. They've got numbers up in the thousands, even in the tens of thousands. They have all kinds of money and success. It seems like they have it all together. Then what's wrong with Archer? How come we don't preach on these things? Look at those other church men are huge. Some of those mega churches dwarf the ministry here at New Hope. How come our pulpit doesn't preach on those things then? They aren't evil. They have lots of money. They're humongous. Why? Why then does this pulpit not preach on how to prosper, how to be blessed, how to maximize your potential? how to live the good life, how to find happiness. Why, why doesn't our church pulpit preach those types of things? Why do the preachers here at this pulpit try to make us feel convicted? Should, shouldn't you make us feel welcome? Why are you always trying to make me feel convicted about sins? Why are you always telling me about this being filled with the Holy Ghost? Why shouldn't we make you, uh, you feel a little more comfortable here? Why does Pastor Joe always refer to men of God that are from a bygone era? Why does he refer to men of God like Leonard Ravenhill or Tozer or Charles Finney? Why does he refer to those guys? Why doesn't he refer to, to more modern preachers that we have now, more modern authors that we have nowadays? You don't hear him bringing those people up. You only hear him bringing up men of old. There's plenty of modern authors and teachers and preachers. Why, don't, why doesn't this pulpit bring some of those guys up? Why does it seem like this pulpit is guarded against a lot of the modern theology that is out there today. It almost seems like it's guarded or protected or it's not allowed. Why? After all, look at how successful those churches are. Why, does, why don't we have sermons titled Staying Positive in a Negative World? Why don't we have sermons like that from this pulpit? Or A More Complete You? Or How to Build Your Self-Esteem? Why don't we have things like that coming from this pulpit? Why do we always hear things about sin and judgment and harsh things? Why is pastor always harping on us about things like that? Why is he always telling us to pray, be filled with the Holy Spirit? Why is he always telling us to repent? Why can't it be a better you, maximizing your potential? It's always on sin and judgment and repentance. Why is it like that here at New Hope? Why? 
I'll tell you, and the answer is actually quite simple, and it's actually all throughout the Bible. But I want you to turn in Revelations, and we're going to put it up on the screen. It's very simple. Very simple why the pastor is always hard on you, why the pastor is always shouting at you, and why the pastor is always barking at you, why the pastor is always telling you to come to the altar and pray and repent. Very simple answer. There's a reason why the pastor isn't saying things like staying positive and being upbeat. Everything will be okay. Be healthy. Revelations chapter 3, verse 19 says this, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. That is why the pastor is so hard on us here at New Hope. It's actually because God loves you. That's why he's always screaming these things at us and barking these things at us. That's why people like myself come up here and tell you that the path to heaven is straight and narrow and few there be that find it. It's because God loves you. He chastens you. He rebukes you. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. It's because he loves us. Very simple. It's because he loves us. God loves you. He rebukes you from this pulpit. He chastens you from this pulpit. Why? Because He loves you. He cares for you. Now, the Scripture that I just read to you in Revelation chapter 19, we have to understand the context of that Scripture. That's actually the Lord Jesus talking to His church, the church of Laodicea. Understand that He just told them He would rather you be cold or hot. If you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. He just told them that they're blind, naked, and wretched, and they don't even know it. He just rebuked them with those harsh words. And then that's the context of the Scripture, what we read, as many as I love, I rebuke, rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Do you understand that the Lord loves us? The Lord loves us. That's why this pulpit is never easy on you. That's why the pastor is never easy on the ears. That's why he never comes up here and talks about being healthy. It's because the Lord God loves you. And because he loves you, he rebukes and chastens you. Why is someone always barking at you from this pulpit? Why is someone always telling you to come to the altar? Why is someone always telling you to trust and obey? Because the Lord God loves you. Because you are his children. We are his children. That's why there's always barking coming from this pulpit. Amen? Turn in your Bibles to Hebrew chapter 12. We're going to start reading about halfway through verse 5. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. And this is some pretty good stuff. Skip that first little part of verse 5 and we'll pick up where it says, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves, he chasteneth and scourges every son whom he receives. Now, what kind of father would I be if I said, it's okay, my son? I have two, most of you know, probably all of you know, I got two young boys, a 10-year-old and a, one about to be 8 years old in February. 10 and 8-year-old. What kind of father would I be if I said, son, it's okay to play on the railroad tracks. It's okay to play near the riverbank. It's okay to play near the edge of a cliff. It's okay. Be blessed and be positive. Go ahead, son. Be healthy. Make sure you're healthy. Make sure you stay motivated, my son. I'd be a broke-down, lame father. You see, if I see my sons 
playing on the railroad tracks. I say, get off the railroad tracks. If I see my son near the riverbank, get, I'm going to chase my son. I'm going to scourge my son. You know what it means to scourge? It means to whip. Why is the pastor always barking at you and telling you to be filled, repent of your sins, to avoid this and that and cast this down and run away from this? Because it's the scourge of God. God whipping his children. What would happen if I told my son, son, just stay positive. He's going to run right back to the riverbank. He's going to run right back there. With no chastening, with no scourging, he's going to go right back to doing what I just suggested he not do. Amen? My, my youngest son sinks like a rock. I don't know what it is about the boy. He is not very buoyant. He cannot swim good. Me and Luke, we can swim. Shannon and Isaac cannot swim. If I saw him playing by the riverbank, I would go and snag him up. And I would scourge him. Because I hate him or because I dislike him? No, because I love my son and I don't want him to fall in the riverbank in a river and be swept away. So I scourge my son. That's the whole purpose of why this pulpit here at New Hope Church scourges the people. Because God loves you. He cares about you. Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. I scourge my sons. I whip my sons because I love them. So if you're wondering why Pastor Joe is always yelling at you, why Pastor Joe is always barking, why Pastor Joe is saying this and that and avoid it, it's because the Lord, through him, loves his people. He loves his children. The Lord scourges you. He whips you. He barks at you. He tells you to avoid this. He tells you to run from that because the Lord loves us. Why? Because you are His sons and His daughters. We are His people. Let's keep reading in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7. We'll pick back up there. For if ye endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chastens not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye Ill, illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Now listen, when I was a kid and my dad scourged me, when I was crying before he ever even got to me, before he ever even took a hit swing at me, I was already crying. And he used to tell me, this hurts me more than it hurts you, son, which I always thought was a big load. This is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. you know, I, I find myself, I've said that to my own sons, and I'm sure they think it's a big load when I say it to them. But now that I'm older and I look back on my dad when he used to do that to me, I see that it was because he, because he loved me. My dad chastened me because he loved me. He scourged me and whipped me. And because of that, I reverence my father. Still, even to this day, I reverence my father. You don't hear me. If you hang out with me at all, you don't hear me ever, ever, ever say, hey, Ruth, fix me a sandwich. Ruth, I'm going to stop by and get something to eat. I don't ever call my mom Ruth. Never. Why? Because my memory takes me back to those days when my father scourged me. See, my memory carries me back to those days. The Bible says we have had Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. I still reverence my dad. 
My dad's got bad knees nowadays. He already had one knee surgery. Can't get around like he used to. He's not as strong as he used to be. A lot of times I can hit a golf ball farther than my dad can nowadays. But I still reverence my father because my memory takes me back to those days when he scourged me because he loved me. Because my father loved me, he did that to me. And I still have reverence to him. How much more so? Now, if all that carries over still today, my dad's 64 or 65. I still reverence my dad still to this day. The Bible says how much more so if it be the father above. If God's the one standing there with the whip in his hand, with the scourge in his hand, how much more so should we reverence him than just our earthly fathers, the word is saying. Back to verse 7 says, if ye endure chastening. So many people nowadays don't want to endure chastening. Look at how crowded those churches we were talking about earlier they are. Tens of thousands of people go to those churches. Why? Because people don't like to endure chastening nowadays. People don't like to hear rebukes. People don't like to hear you're a sinner. People don't like to hear you need to repent. People don't want to be told you need to avoid that. People don't want to hear those things anymore. That's why you see tens of thousands of people flocking to churches that preach things like how to be a better you, how to maximize your potential. Still won't call my mom Ruth. I know we have lots of parents in here, lots of young children in here. You fathers, I'm telling you, I don't know what it is, but us boys, we aren't that afraid of mom. Uh, we, we know mom's scourging doesn't hurt that bad. I remember my mom used to paddle me. Sometimes I would fake cry, hoping that they thought that was punishment enough so that my dad wouldn't get me. Do you understand? Th this is why scourging comes from this pulpit. Because we are his children and we go astray. Do we not? All sheep, we scatter, we go astray, we go every which way, we turn to the left and to the right. That is why this pulpit does not preach these modern, new age Christian doctrine. That, that is why this pope will never preach those things. Never. I hope that doesn't disappoint you. How much more so should we reverence God our Father if He's the one standing there with the paddle? Let's keep reading. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But He, for our profit, that we might be partakers of His holiness. Now listen, verse 11. Now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. It is never. The Bible says it's not joyful, it's grievous when you're rebuked, when you're reproved. It's grievous. It is never a good thing when some pastor tells you you're a sinful wretch who needs to repent. Never is it fun. Never is it, oh, that's great. Never is it encouraging. It's not. It's grievous, the Bible says. Now, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. No one's going to come congratulate pastor when he tells you you deserve hell from this pulpit. No one's going to say, pastor, you just bolstered my faith when you opened up with the scripture. Repent or you shall likewise perish. 
No, no one's going to say, oh, that was just great. It just really encouraged me. It really, you know, spoke to me. Uh, I just appreciate that. No one's going to tell the pastor, hey, pastor, it was great when I just really appreciated when you told me that my heart was deceitful above all else and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Oh, that just bolstered my faith, pastor. That's great. No, but people don't like to hear those things. The Bible says it is grievous. We can't lie and say, yeah, we like that stuff, pastor. It's grievous, the Bible says. It's not joyful, the Bible says. It's hard to hear. It's hard to take those things. But I'll tell you what. It's so much easier for a pastor to come and to tickle your ears and to pat you on the back and tell you to be healthy, how to be motivated, be positive, and everything's going to be okay. We probably start attracting all kinds of new people. It's so much easier to preach those types of sermons. Well, we get tons of people in here. Prosperity. We start preaching prosperity in here. I bet you we'll get a lot of folks. Living life to the fullest, being empowered, taking what's yours. Preach those types of things. And people, "Ah, that's great, Pastor. I want to hear how can I get some more money? How can I be prosperous? Our flesh loves those types of things. But those kinds of sermons preached from those kinds of preachers do not yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness. They do not. Only the scourging, only the rebuke, only the chastisement from God yields peaceable fruit of righteousness. Is that not what God's trying to get out of us anyway? He's trying to get some form of glory out of us towards him he's trying to get some type of fruit trying to get us to bear fruit that glorifies him that that's that's why we're here in the first place is to, to get glory or to, for god for us to give god glory that's the whole point of this thing it, it is not to be healthy and motivated and and happy and that that is not it he's trying to get us to yield some type of fruit of righteousness Ultimately trying to get us to give Him glory and to bear Him fruit. Oh, why why do we even have this Bible? You look at this Bible that you got. People are always just telling us from this pulpit, you better know your Bible, you better read your Bible, you better be obedient to this Bible. Why do we have this thing? You know, if you look at 2 Timothy 3.16, I'll tell you why we have this Bible. Why we have this book with all these words in it from God. Here's why we have it. Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That's why we have this book. You understand? We have this book for reproof. You know what a synonym to reproof is? Is rebuke. We have this book to rebuke us. You see? Is it okay to stare at other women? Bible rebukes that and says, no, you commit adultery in your heart already. Should we go astray and the Word of God rebukes us? The Word of God instructs us. The Word of God formulates our doctrine. The Word of God corrects us. That's why we have these Scriptures. That's why we have this book. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction. Because we are like sheep and we all go astray. Oh, 
it seems like I'm always constantly yelling at my kids. Constantly yelling at them more than I even talk to them, it seems like. Always yelling at them. But it is because I love them. I'm, I'm trying to make these two young men grow up to be men of God who are respectful, polite, reverence the Word. That's what I'm trying to do here. That's why I'm scourging my sons. That's why I yell at my sons. My wife and I, I look at each other sometimes after a particularly rough day. and you know, We feel bad sometimes. We're always yelling at them. We're always paddling them. What in the world are we? You feel bad sometimes. I don't know if you're a parent. You've ever felt that way. You're like you're always yelling at your kids. Oh, some of your parents with little babies. Man, sometimes I envy you guys. They're so cute and cuddly. Makes me want another one, but I don't have another one because I know, I know what happens to them when they get older. You wait for them little babies when they turn. They, they start to learn to talk back to you. They start to do more than just say no. And they talk back. They get mouthy with you sometimes. I'm constantly yelling at them. Why? That is exactly why the pastor's constantly yelling at us. Why someone's up here constantly telling us, come to the altar. Why someone's constantly telling us, repent. It's the same difference as with my own children that it is here. We are God's children. His Word is here to reprove our works. His, here, His Word is here to correct us when we go on our errant ways when we deviate off the straight and narrow path that's why we have this word that's why the pastor's always up here thundering these things down on us that's why he is not patting you on the back telling you everything's going to be okay that's why he doesn't focus on things like being healthy uh, that's why he doesn't focus on things like being motivated and, and self-esteem and this and that that's why he doesn't point to these modern authors it's because those things do not yield what God wants us to yield. The peaceable fruits of righteousness. God is constantly reproving us, constantly correcting us, constantly instructing us. Constantly. I thank God that we have a pastor that cares enough not to just tickle our ears and not to just pat us on the back. Well, some of the things that we hear from the pulpit, they aren't fun to hear. They aren't. But those things will produce fruit in us. They'll produce the hard Word of God produces things in us. Fruit that glorifies our God. If we look at the Bible, okay, this whole entire Bible, we have an Old Testament and we have a New Testament. I think we can all agree that there is one focal point, there's one main focal point in the entire Bible, and that is Jesus Christ. Amen? The Old Testament prophesies about Him, and the New Testament pretty much is about Him. The focal point is Jesus Christ. So if it's Jesus Christ, He's the main focus of this Word, the whole Bible, we probably better know what it is that His message was. Amen? He's the main focal point, we better know His message. What is it that, that Jesus is saying to us. He's the main focus. He's what it's all about. What is it that he told us? Okay, Is it to be healthy or to be motivated or to find happiness? What is Jesus' message to us? Right, if you think about Jesus, you remember when Jesus was young. Okay, well, We know the, the whole Christmas story. We've just been through Christmas a month ago. We know all that stuff. And we know that, if you remember, remember when Jesus was little, you know, 
his parents were journeying, and the next thing they know, look around, Jesus is gone. So they got to go back and find Jesus. And remember, Jesus tells his mom, I must be about my father's business. Remember that? And then after that, you know, little years later, uh, Jesus goes to John the Baptist. Remember, Jesus is getting older. Now, this is before Jesus began to preach. This is before Jesus began to do miracles. Jesus had not started his ministry yet. He goes and finds this John the Baptist, and he gets baptized by John the Baptist. Remember, the, the Spirit of the Lord descends upon him like a dove, says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Remember that? Okay, before Jesus began his ministry. Okay, then after that, if you can remember, Jesus goes into the wilderness. He fasts, and remember, he he goes at it with the devil. The devil comes to him and tempts him and says this and that to him. And they go back and forth for a while. And finally, the devil flees from Jesus. Now, all this is before Jesus began to preach. All this is before Jesus began to teach. All before his miracles, okay? Before all that. So that's some a little bit of Jesus' background in a nutshell. Now, what is it that Jesus' message was? After he tells the devil to flee and his fast is over with, he has come of age, and he begins his ministry on this earth. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, now he begins to preach. Listen, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's Jesus' message to us in a nutshell. Now, he talked about lots of different things, but he began to preach, and his message was, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It was not, come and follow me for the good life. It was not, let's all be motivated. It was not, come and listen to me on how to be healthy. Come and follow me if you want happiness. That was not his message. The message of Jesus, the focal point of the entire Bible was, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent of your sins, for I am come. That was his message. That's just another reason why this pulpit talks about repentance. You understand that? that? That's why we avoid those topics of modern theology. Avoid all that stuff because that wasn't Jesus' message. His message was, you better get forgiveness for your sins. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Not follow me for blessings. Not how to be successful. It was repent of your sins. Maybe that's why this pulpit's always telling you, come to the altar to get forgiveness. Ask God for forgiveness. Ask God to cleanse you of your sins. Ask God to make you white as snow. Maybe that's why we avoid those other new things. Another reason that rebuke and chastisement come from this pulpit. If you have any little bit of knowledge about this Word of God, any general knowledge about the Word of God. And I don't mean to burst your bubble, but you will notice, if you know anything about the Word, you'll notice that it is not about self. Understand that? It's not about you. And it's not about me. It's actually quite the opposite of that. This whole thing is not about me. This whole thing is not about you. It is not about self. The Bible actually teaches the opposite of that. The Lord Jesus taught us to deny ourselves. You see, all these modern things that people preach about being healthy, and that, those are things about self being motivated. That's about self. 
being big self-esteem or whatever it is they talk. They're all messages to the self. Jesus taught us to be meek, to be clothed in humility. The, the New Testament actually tells us to esteem others better than ourselves. I preached a few weeks ago. The Bible actually took, tells us to look on the affairs of others rather than just yourself. This thing is selfless. You know, the Bible also says that I decrease, that he might increase. See, the Bible is actually not about self. It's about less self so that he might increase. It's not about me. It's not about being healthy, motivated, and successful. All those things are about the self. What can I get out of life? What can God do for me? Those are things about self. That's not the message of the Bible. Now, I'm going to bring this to a close. I don't particularly like the scourging of God. I don't like it. I don't like to hear that I'm a bad person. I want to be a good person. But if I'm honest with myself, I know that I am bad. I'm, I do dumb stuff all the time. I do stuff that I'm ashamed of all the time. And I need to hear that. The next time the pastor, myself, or any other brother that speaks from behind this pope rebukes you or calls you a sinner or tells you you need to get baptized or tells you you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, endure it. Endure it because it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And why does this pulpit do that? Why does God always yell at us? Why does God always tell us this and that? Avoid this. It is ultimately because He loves us and we are His children. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand. Mike, if you have something, you will play. These altars here at New Hope are always open. And I pray that you receive this word this morning. And I'm going to leave you with this. For whom the Lord loves, He chastens and scourges every son whom He receives. Amen.